Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, guys, this is Bram, and I wanted to pay some respects before this episode gets underway at all. We're a light show. We try to be tongue-in-cheek and funny, and this episode is that. Mark joined us, and we had a lot of fun. But before we hear that conversation, it was really important to me that we at least acknowledge the loss the Warriors had in their basketball family this week. On Wednesday, assistant coach Dayan Milojevic passed away, who by all accounts was an impressive man, father, husband, and coach. I never had the pleasure of meeting or working with Coach Milojevic, so I'll let Steve Kerr provide the description of the life he lived. This is from the statement the Warriors released this week. Quote, this is a shocking and tragic blow for everyone associated with the Warriors and an incredibly difficult time for his family, friends, and all of us who had the incredible pleasure to work with him. In addition to being a terrific basketball coach, Dayan was one of the most positive and beautiful human beings I have ever known. Someone who brought joy and light to every single day with his passion and energy. We grieve with and for his wife, Natasha, and their children, Nicola and Masa. Their loss is unfathomable, end quote. Our deepest condolences go out to every member of Coach Dayan's family. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in. Where's huddle with me, Bram, with me per usual, my master of all things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? And my boy and producer, MT. What's up, Doug? Gentlemen, I am excited to announce that rejoining us after hell of long, far too long, the former Golden State beat writer for the Barian News Group, who covered the rise of a dynasty, a high profile sports reporter who has contributed to more media outlets than I can list, including Fox Sports Radio, Spectrum, Sportsnet Television, and Sports Kita, an infamous graffiti artist who has graced LeBron murals worldwide. And a man who once stole the ball from Nick Young, Mr. Mark Medina. What's going on, Mark? Bram, don't forget, you listed out something on my resume. Proud member of Table 9. Cheers to Hey, Table 9. Okay, so I had Table 9 here, and then somebody drew to my attention this Nick Young story, which is bananas that we haven't talked about it, dude. Know that (laughs) if I had this in my resume, if something like this had happened at some point along the line, I would casually bring it up every five minutes, but let's bring everybody on board. Maxime, if we've got that clip, let's play it here. This is from Logan Murdoch. Hey, oh man, I, 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 well, I want you to tell you Nick Young story. I got a lot of love for Nick Young. I, he was, I covered the Warriors for a few years before I got to the ringer and Nick was my first, uh, Nick was my first year. So he was like, I don't know how you guys like look at it, but for us, it was like the one player that was kind of like the vet for the media in the locker room, right? Like this was the person that would just be cool to the young person. Like Nick was always hella cool. And would every, he was also hella goofy as Gil, I'm sure knows, but every, before every game, he would, uh, after his workout, he would dribble back to the uh, to the uh, locker room and would just try to shake the shit out of everyone, right? Like, <laughs> just would try, for security guards, he would try to make them guard him. <laughs> and then there was a media member every every game that would try to steal the ball, and he would shake the fuck out of him every time, <laughs> except for once. 
where my dog Mark Medina got him and just stripped his ass. But look how fucking cool Mark is playing this. This fool just calmly nodded like the savage he is. Mark, what is this story, dude? Here, here's why it's been there, done that. Um, not only did I steal a ball from Nick Young when he was dribbling, you know, pregame in the locker room. Rewind a few years ago, I took a charge from Metal World Peace, who's known as Ron Artest. And not only have I survived to this day, but I did not fall when he did it. Whoa. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I got the skills, man of steel, and I got good hand-eye coordination. <laughs> Dude, my, my face is going to explode. Of the things that were unexpected, I'm not even sure what to focus on. So, let's see. Did I think that you were going to explain to me who Meta World Peace was? No, dude. I know who the fuck Ron Artest is. But even more than that, if like, so I knew I was going to tell you this. And then if you had given me a multiple choice thing, I was like, here are the possible answers that Mark's going to give you. You know, and I, I could get a million dollars if I picked it right. And, you know, whatever A was like, oh, I forgot about that story. B was like, I was so lucky. If one of them said, been there, done that, that would have been the one I crossed out. Like, okay, he's like, then for sure, he's not going to say that. So, fuck, dude, nicely handled. Give us the story from your perspective. Either one. I want to hear either about Meta World Peace. Oh, I don't know who that is. Or the steal <laughs> from Young, man. Give me, give me some info here. Okay, well, I'll start with the Ron Artest story. Uh, now, maybe this diminishes a little bit of the, the urban legend that I just shared, but whatever, I'm all about transparency. Um, they had just released during the preseason, like, these new flopping rules, which I feel like the officials, like, release flopping rules every single year, right? But that's besides the point. This year, they were going to enforce it with fines and all this stuff. So we were asking players what they think of the new rules and Ron Artest, Metal World Peace, was going on a rant on how uh, officials just need to call the game better or else players won't flop. Like they'll they'll adjust to how the game is called. And to illustrate that point, he pulled me to the side. I don't think that I'm someone who's known as someone who's very big or you know has a lot of muscle, right? Uh, I do work out, but uh, not to the extent that NBA players do, right? So he pulled me to the side and said, look, I want to use you as an example. Stand to be a man. Don't flop. I'm going to charge into you. And I'm thinking in my head, like, this is Ron Artest, like, malice of the palace. He gave James Harding a, a, a concussion, you know, when he elbowed him in the head. Like, what are you talking about here? But he's like, trust me, you'll be fine. Like, just stand, be a man. Don't flop. So I'm like, all right, I'm thinking this is the end. This is how I go out. He <laughs> runs into me. He runs into me, and I step back a few. Like, he runs into me. I go back a few pegs, but I don't fall to the ground. I stand up, and I start feeling good about myself. Like, man, like, I know how to hold my own. So I say, do it again. No. <laughs> so he runs into me again, and I stand my own. Some of these guys just don't know how to flop. I don't even know how to take a charge. I look stupid taking the charge. Demonstrate on the deep. I have no idea. I'll demonstrate taking the charge. Come on, get, no, let me show you. Watch this. Brace yourself. Hold on, turn, Sam. Hold this, Sam. Brace yourself, right? Do you right, so you're you want me to flop or what? No, I want you to stand your ground, okay? Okay. I just do it in court. <laughs> Look at that. Did you see that? Did you see that? That's a, oh, he's okay. a, do it again. He's, do he's it a reporter. Do it again? Yeah. He's a reporter. Are you kidding me? I'll see you guys later, man. And so that... I was the guinea pig and the example of what Ron Artest was trying to explain, that if the officials just call the game and don't reward a flop, players won't do that. And he was saying, look, even a reporter can do that like myself. Would you guys so, have done that? 
Maxime Marcus, if, if Ron Artest, I mean, so like we're a little bit further on now, right? But he used to be the go-to example of somebody who not only played too hard, but would lose control. I mean, he's behind the malice in the palace, very specifically. Like there, there's not a whole lot of riots that have one person who probably started it. That one is one of those fucking riots. So if that guy pulls you to the side and is literally like, all right, here's the play we're going to do. I am going to do something that normally hurts people to you. Would you guys have done it? Like, would you? I mean, and also, I imagine the media members are there and they're all watching and shit. Like, what's your move? Yeah, someone's scenario? filming it on video. So, oh, like, yeah. if I go out, there's evidence. Also, you don't have a choice. <laughs> I mean, you have to. You have to do it at that point. The peer pressure is too strong for you to to not do it, and you know, risk wimping out. But um, I, I would be fearful that I would have gotten seriously injured, like Mark was saying. It's so. the camera. It's the camera. Like once I didn't know if you're on camera, then like, it'd be real hard to be like, Ooh, can you pick somebody else? You know, like, it's, at that stage, you're kind of stuck in it, but I just took 10 charges earlier. I'm all, I'm all, <laughs> I would have panicked. Um, Maxine bleep this name. I have a friend named I love. I haven't seen him for a while, but I grew up with him. And as sweet as was when he got drunk, he was the exact opposite. Like you start fucking fights all the time. He just got out of control when he got drunk. And came on my bachelor party. We were in Vegas. And I can remember the exact moment. We're walking through the Bellagio. He is happy drunk, but he's drunk. And I know now he reached over to just give me one of those hugs you give your friend when you're on a bachelor party. You know, like, can you believe it? Here we are. It's great. But he was drunk and I freaked the fuck out. I thought he was about to fight me. And I literally like pushed him away. Like, oh my God, what's going to happen? So if I was afraid of in my bachelor party would i be afraid of meta world peace and a like charge drill like i don't i don't see that going super well for me yeah i don't now, remember I'll, that. I'll i was get, there but i was at the library the whole time <laughs> <laughs> i remember being really upset by that like you're going to the library again marcus i mean what the hell um Mark, this stuff is gold, as you can imagine. Talking about the warrior season is a little bit hard right now. So any distractions you can give us? What happened with the Nick Young thing? Yeah, well, uh, just tied the two together. I do suspect that Meta did not charge at me at the same intensity that he's done <laughs> on the actual court. But still, it is scary. It's Meta World Peace. He's strong as hell. But Nick Young, um, yeah, as Logan mentioned, he would have a ritual in the locker room where he'd be dribbling the ball, et cetera, et cetera. And we all kind of laughed at him because that's what people do with Nick Young. It's fun. Um, and I will say this. Uh, it took a lot of attempts to swipe the ball at him. There were a lot of times <laughs> that I missed, and he would gloat about it. And find, uh, finally, there was one time I got the swipe, the you know two times a broken clock is correct on the day rule. So, um, But it was tough because I'm not a basketball player. I'm wearing – you know, full-on suit here with dress shoes. It's not like I'm wearing gym clothes. Uh, so I do take it as a bare badge of honor that I found a way to to stop Nick to stop Nick Young, who's, you know, one of those microwave scorers, as well as one of those microwave bloopers. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. Well, incredible story. And uh, we have vamped long enough. Gentlemen, let's jump into Warriors basketball. Let's start where we always do, glass half full. Mark, you'll remember, we're looking back at recent Warriors hoop. You can stretch back as far as you like. We're trying to get something you like or don't like. Um, this could be a hard week, so the floor is open. Anyone want to go first? I was excited by Brandon Pajemski going into Pfizer for him and kind of making good on his dad's promise. Um, you know, his dad, uh, Mark, if you didn't know, he came on the show 
Oh, I listened. I, I oh. listened. It was an amazing oh. interview, by the way. Let's go. Appreciate you, Mark. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. Uh, I'm changing it. My glass half full is that Mark listened to the episode with John Pajemski. That's full. cool as shit. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I'm surprised that that Meta World Peace didn't bounce off you, Mark. I'm just I'm surprised he didn't just collapse to the ground when he tried to take you down. <laughs> and that has nothing to do with the compliment you just paid us. I just forgot to say that earlier. <laughs> uh, 10 of 14 from the field. 23 points, 10 rebounds. I mean, dude played an excellent game of basketball, um, you know, at, at a, against a very high level opponent. And I think, you know, it's a testament to the, to the dude being excited about playing in front of his home crowd. I'm really glad it worked out for him. I got two long ones, so I won't uh, here. I'll give you one and then I'll pause and you guys fill some air and then I'll give you our second. I'll give you something I don't like. I don't like Gigi Jackson, a player I've never heard of looking like Ray Allen against us. And is like, heyday. Um, I am tired of watching people I don't know go fucking ham on us. It seems to be the theme of this season. Certainly happened in a Memphis loss that was the lowest part of this year. And yeah, it just fucking bothered me. It's something I don't like. Although it did give rise to a cool little story. If we've got that second clip, Maxime, here is Draymond Green explaining maybe why Gigi Jackson was so excited to have a big game against the Warriors. Gigi Jackson. He shot the ball like he was Clay Thompson. I mean, he was catching like no hesitation, raising up. He waited for Steph at, at the half court line. He said, man, I got uninvited from your camp. But Steph's like, oh, like I remember that. Like we, we were filled on spots. And so they had to like pull some invites back. It caught me a bit off guard. After the game, I learned that it was very personal for Gigi, but he found this extra added motivation of like, they uninvited me from the Steph Curry camp. So now I don't have any any, any real say-so in this, Gigi, but you're invited to the Steph Curry camp next year as a counselor if you want to go back. <laughs> so great story, right? It's the kind of thing that happened to any other team I would love. I hate that it happened here. I hope he doesn't become a counselor. I hope he's out of the league. I don't know. I took that loss kind of hard. So it did bother me. Um, and here's my follow-up because I'm not going to ask you guys this down the line. Draymond's back, right? We finally got him back. Uh, that Memphis game is his first one. And so I've got an over-under for you boys on Draymond Green. The over-under is how many technicals will Draymond have going forward? Okay? Because this is the new and improved Draymond. He realizes he has to reel things back and change them. So the number I have is 10.5. Let me explain how I got there. Draymond has played 16 games so far and has four technical fouls. So one every four games. The Warriors have about 42 games left divided by four. 10.5. Okay, so over under on text for Draymond Green, 10.5 for the rest of the year. MT, what do you think? Under. He's a new man. Let's go. Uh, uh, you know, it may just be, uh, you know, I'm a prisoner of the moment, but there was a call that went against him and it normally would have caused a big reaction. And he started to react and then he just didn't say anything and went to the free throw line, uh, underneath the basket and lined up for the free throw. And you could just tell like, oh, like that's different. So I'm hoping that continues. I'm going to put faith in it that it will. And I think it's the under. <laughs> Mark over under. I think you hit the exactly correct number. So I guess it's neither over nor under. <laughs> See, when you get the half technical what, somewhere? <laughs> well, to add what Bram was saying, the reason why I think you hit the correct number is keep in mind you need 16 to get the suspension. And Draymond doesn't want to get, get suspensions anymore. He's had plenty of them this season. And so my outlook with Draymond is that yeah, there's going to be a new and improved version of him, but what does that look like? It means he's not punching people in the face. 
He's not headlocking anybody, but he's still eventually, inevitably, going to argue with officials, get texts, but he will draw the line in the whole availability. I don't want to get ejected. I don't want to get suspended because I can't just keep deserting my team. And I think at some point, right now he's on his best behavior because he just got back, he just started, but there's going to be a competitive game. There's also, there's also pressure that they need to improve things defensively, and he's going to feel the urgency to unlock that competitiveness that at some point in a close game, close call, he's going to lose it, but he'll rein himself back in so he doesn't cross that line of reaching the suspension red zone again. So over 10.5, but under 16. Um, I'll take that same range. I say over 10.5. And so like, I, MT, I know the exact play you're talking about. The exact one. You could see him process it. You know, there was no question. Also, this is like looking at somebody who is given a New Year's resolution that they're going to lose weight and evaluating <laughs> them during the first two weeks of January. When they're passing on bread and they're working out every day and they're hell of sacrimonious about it. And they're telling you like, oh no, I've, I needed this change in my life and I always have. And like, I've got this, got this new regiment now and this is what I'm doing. I'd like to see him in February, you know? And then like, if we, if we get through a couple of months here and he keeps getting pushed and he keeps being calm, fine. But there's a chance this fool is going to turn back to eating bread and not working out. You know what I mean? Like that. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and take the over. Mark, something you like or don't from Warriors basketball? Well, something I like, uh, I just feel like this is the inevitable that thankfully Steph Curry is still on the team and he's healthy and he's playing at an amazing level. Um, can only imagine as much as Warrior fans and Bram, you and MT and Maxime are pulling your hair out over this season. Uh, if not for Steph Curry, may as well join the Spurs, right? And the Portland Trailblazers. Maybe be in contention with the Detroit Pistons for longest losing streak of the season uh, or in history. Um, what I don't like is the fact that everything else just hasn't been working out. Like, I thought that we were going to see all-star version of Andrew Wiggins. I thought that we were going to see, uh, you know, Clay Thompson be more consistent. I thought that we were going to see the early returns of, oh yeah, the fact that we have good young players and Chris Paul's a positive veteran leadership presence actually yeah. have enough tangible meaning toward win losses. And that just hasn't been enough. And I know that internally, the Warriors have leaned on the fact that, hey, we're different than a typical above or below 500 team that a, a few plays here or there, we get these wins and all of a sudden, it's a different conversation because of just how uh, balanced the Western Conference is and just how much, you know, there's different fluid jockeying among teams. Sure. But I go back to during the dynasty years when the Warriors would have those like ugly wins and it came down to good teams know how to win close games and bad sure. teams don't. And unfortunately for the Warriors, they're now in that latter category where, you know, they're not good enough to know how to close out. So. Yeah, uh, I'd like to say that things will improve even with Draymond, but even before Draymond's suspension, it was kind of the same story. Your response there ironically triggers the thing I like, but before I get there, MT, you got something here? Um, yeah, I'm just going to go don't like is that um, we view this year in a vacuum compared to all the other years. Like There are a ton of amazing players that have played um, in the NBA who've never won a championship. There are a ton of players who only won one, who a uh, smaller handful who won multiple. 
Like we we got to be a part of a team that won four. And, you know, though the dynasty window is obviously coming to a close, um, I still, I don't like the fact that we're just willing to be like, okay, trade everybody except for Steph and start a new, like, um, you know, like that that's sports. How many teams and throughout any leagues have this amount of sustained, you know, success? And it's very few. And I think you just have to appreciate that and enjoy the moments. And, you know, it's it's inevitable that the younger teams are going to come up and, and outplay us and be better than us. So um, I just don't like being a prisoner of the moment again of, of this season when all the stuff and all the moments that, Clay and Dre and the rest of Team Loon have have given us throughout the years. Those are all the fake fucking fans. So I'm with you on that. Um, you know what this triggers for me? You saying that, not the thing I like or don't, is something that Marcus Thompson told us after either the first or second championship. I remember going to Marcus and we asked him, do you feel like Warrior fan or bandwagon fan? Thinking for sure, he would tell me, of course not. You know, that these guys have been there forever and that's not what's going on. He said, yeah. He's like, but they are a bandwagon fan, but who he was talking about, and he made this distinction clear, was the people who were showing up in other arenas. All these people who suddenly cared about the Warriors after they won championships. Now they own Steph jerseys. Now they were showing up in the parade. They were all over the place. They knew everything. You know, those guys are the people who are doing what you're talking about, MT, who instead of looking at what these guys did to earn statues, are looking at what they've done this year to earn a sub 500 record. That is some short-sighted bullshit done by people who are here to celebrate winning, not celebrate the team. So if, you know, the I I also don't like that, but I'm also not even going to acknowledge them as Golden State fans. Those guys like rooting for wins. So this team's not winning anymore, so they're not rooting for us. And they are I I do not consider them a part of the Golden State family. Something I like. What a weird way to phrase this, okay? Um, Mark, rewind the clock a month ago. If you had given me that exact response, okay? That like, oh, we thought Wiggins was going to play, but he didn't. Uh, We thought that they would have the moxie to win these games, but they don't. Holy shit, would that have cost me angst? It would have just, it would have bothered me so much. Here's what I like about recent Warriors basketball, gentlemen. My expectations have changed. Expectations are a motherfucker. They change everything. Let me give you an example. I don't know if you guys have ever had Wagyu steak. There's different levels of steak, apparently. Wagyu steak is exceptionally elite. And if you're going to get it, you have to pay like $400 for two ounces. And it's supposedly the greatest steak on earth. Here's my experience. If I go to like an Applebee's and I order a $10 steak and it's kind of shitty, I'm not angsty or upset about it. My expectations are nice and low. It is what it is. If I get some good fries with it or some shit, fine. You know, I I don't leave there upset at anyone. The one time I went after Wagyu steak, it was fine, but it wasn't amazing. It didn't meet my expectations. And now I was furious. The fuck did we wait all these months to go to this restaurant for? Why did I pay $400 to be here? This is not what I expected. And it upset me. So this year for the Warriors, I expected Wagyu and I got Applebee's. And so for a minute, very upsetting. You know, like, and you can't watch it. it. It drives you crazy. But over these last few weeks, the slow understanding of like, well, okay, maybe we are watching the end of a dynasty. Maybe these guys aren't having championship expectations this year. Well, then the angst is gone. It's a $10 steak, man. You know, and so like, there's things that we can enjoy and we'll explore that. But it's let me out of this prison. Watching these games doesn't feel like it's destroying me anymore because I don't have these, these $400 expectations. 
it's a different thing. Um, and to, to draw them together, enjoy that. I've, I've, I've said this so many times into this microphone throughout this dynastic run. Enjoy it. Before, it would be enjoy the, the run of success. That might not be true anymore. Here's something you're never going to see. Two of the best three-point shooters ever sharing a floor again. Not going to happen. This is it. We've become used to it. It's awesome to see. We're frustrated that they're no longer winning every fucking game. But when it ends, and it could be as quickly as this offseason, you will probably never see it again. So enjoy. I remember when Jordan was still in my life. And was a young kid, dude. Like this, this is a while back. But you don't, you don't ever think about a time he's not gonna be there, you know, and then he disappears and it's suddenly gone. That's gonna happen. The, the, the Splash Brothers aren't gonna exist forever. So make sure, even if it's not the dynastic success that you're enjoying, enjoy it because it's finite. Okay. So there's the thing I like, boys. Um and it's a little sad, but it's also, I don't know, it, it should be fulfilling in some sense. So that makes uh, makes sense to you, boys. And I take by your silence, it does to our next topic. Can I interject here? I was going to defer, but uh, very poetic and, and very fair points. I think the, the challenging part that some Warrior fans have, and I'm sure, certainly sure people in the franchise have, and the front office is the fact that because Steph Curry is still in his prime playing at a high level, theoretically there, that championship window is still open. And so it's just that feeling that you want to feel like you're doing everything you can to slide through it before it closes. I think if it was something different where, you know, heaven forbid, this has been a tough season because Steph or one of the other all-stars are out and it's just not realistic that they can win the title uh, or even make a deep playoff push, it would feel different. But because Steph's healthy, still playing at a high level, there's always that element of chance that you want to pour everything you can to still maximize that opportunity. You couldn't be more right. If I was only going to be on earth for another week, would I prefer eat Wagyu than Applebee's? Yes. <laughs> right. I mean, that's what you're saying. But once I was at the Applebee's, I would no longer expect Wagyu. I mean, that's all I mean. You know, yeah. like I, I, I get where you're coming from, but it's also a great transition mark because I, I don't, I'm not saying that they're not going to be able to field a team around Steph at some point. I just don't know if it's this year but let's make that a question for you, okay? Here's the segment, the magic button. And this segment is not in particularly new. We, we trot it out every now and again. But what it lets us do is take complicated decisions, oversimplify them, and then weigh in on those complicated decisions. And the Warriors have a ass ton of complicated decisions coming up before this February deadline. The first magic button question is actually one we did last week, but I really want your opinion. You've been handpicked for this episode, man. Um, I need you, you know this team, but you're also neutral on it. Okay. So here is the what I'll call this year or the future magic button. Magic button number one. So you are sitting at a desk, two buttons in front of you. You can only press one of them. You press the first one, they go all in this year. They recognize what you're saying. They don't know who Steph's going to be next year. Maybe he doesn't have this top five upside. And so they are willing to trade anything and everything to go in after the remaining assets. Siakam's off the board. Markin is still out there. Maybe Jared Allen, somebody, right? And so who cares about future draft picks? Who cares about young players? Magic button one takes them all, puts them on the table. You go in for this year. Magic button two, a little bit different. 
This time you recognize, sure, Steph has an upside, but this year is not the year. We're stuck in an Applebee's this year, Mark. So instead of going after it now, you try to marshal some assets. You don't put the future draft picks on the table. You try to keep those young players in target, and instead you try to shop things now to help circle the wagons and go after next year or the year following. Stay out of the second apron, have some more opportunities, you know, maybe put some draft picks in your pocket and see where you want to go. I'm stealing some of this. Here's a quote from Wojnarowski. The Warriors sound like they're measuring the championship capabilities of the roster, and if they decide it cannot compete for one, may ultimately opt to shed salary at the deadline to avoid the second apron, even if it means trading away one of the three dynasty players. So I'm not including one of the dynasty guys now, Mark, but I'm giving you those two buttons, man. Which one are you present? Man, I don't I know. It's hard. It's too hard. I'm glad I don't have Mike Dunleavy Jr.'s job because uh, <laughs> I would do as effectively as he did with his career. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You'd get kicked in the face and... <laughs> <laughs> You know, you threw the volleyball up. I couldn't help but spike it. Sorry, but it was. It You've was come cool. to the right place for Mike D player hate, dude. Like, yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Um, I wouldn't trade the dynasty guys, uh, even if it was just second apron. I, uh, I think they should feel comfortable doing with Andrew Wiggins because they're not getting the Andrew Wiggins of complimentary number two, number three, all star caliber player in a better environment. Andrew Wiggins are getting not only the Minnesota version of Andrew Wiggins, they're getting like uh, a subpar version of that even. And it's just inexplicable because he's removed from his injuries. Um, from what people said in training camp, they said, yeah, he looks in really good shape. Like I, I don't understand any of this. Um, but I think outside of that, the Warriors are, are in a real predicament where even if you put everything on the table, with exception of Steph, like Draymond and Clay, their value isn't what it once was because of their recent history. And also the equity that they have with the team isn't transferable to the other team. So they're not going to get what they want in return. The young guys, Jonathan Kaminga and Brandon Benzinski, they've been playing fairly well. And while they haven't reached untouchable status, I would also be skeptical they could yield something that's a net improvement. So they're in this like weird state of having to be neutral, but not by choice. Um, so I think philosophically they got to listen, but outside of doing whatever with Wiggins, I don't know what other avenues they have that can improve their chances of winning other you, than just hoping that they can be healthier and they're improving from within with Draymond's return, better behavior, helping with the defense. And then, Clay and everyone else finds a way to give Steph some offensive help. I'm going to change the question because really it's what I'm asking you. Can you see any even somewhat likely one move or any move before this trade deadline that would make the Warriors a title contender in your mind? I, I can't see it. I thought maybe this Pascal Siakam deal, but even that was uh, viewed through a skeptical lens because Toronto rightfully so they're in a rebuild. They want to get as many assets as possible. Um, yep. So, yeah, outside of Siakam, I can't see that hypothetical deal that's going to put them over the top. And, you know, there's going to be nice players that could possibly available be available, like an Alex Caruso or um, 
that's probably really it. Like, I don't think DeMar DeRozan or, or uh, Zach Levine, as much as I think they're great players, I don't think they would be good fits. But the bigger problem is what the asking price is for that. And so yeah. hence, there's going to be a lot of activity, but I think it's just going to be the car stuck in neutral. Yep. I, I just gave you a 10-minute speech that used the phrase Applebee's at least 50 times. So I think you know <laughs> which of the buttons I would press. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm going to ask you some magic button, which player would you keep questions? And here's a promise. They're going to get progressively harder. All right. So here's the first. Um, each of these buttons. Yeah. Same setting. We're in the at the magic desk. There's two buttons in this setting. I'm going to give you one button for each player. We can only keep one player. Button number one in this first setting is Jonathan Kaminga. Button number two is Andrew Wiggins. Gentlemen. Is anybody here keeping Wiggins? No. I want to jump in to say, I think the best thing that we could do for this team right now at the deadline is trade Wiggins, even if it means having to shed some future assets to make it happen. Because in addition to Wiggins obviously not playing particularly well right now, it forces Kerr to not play Wiggins because he won't be on our team anymore. And so that is literally addition by subtraction. <laughs> and, and forces him to give Kaminga minutes. Right? Exactly Kaminga right. Like because because like, he's the yeah, replacement. The rotations are, are forced that way. Um, I think we're all picking Wiggins there, which made it the easiest. Here's a little harder. Button one, Brandon Pajemski. Button two, Moses Moody. Who do you keep? Odds. <clears throat> yep. Mark? I'm picking Brandon. I mean, I, I loved what he's shown. Thanks to your amazing interview with his dad the, the other week, you, you learned even more insight what makes him tick. He's a winning player across the board. Pods versus JK. Hmm. If they want to move somebody this year or next, it's going to need a young asset. It's going to need one. And the guys who are supposedly getting traction out there are Kaminga and Pajemski. So if you had to only keep one, who do you keep? You know what? I, I say keep pods. Here's why. Uh, what I just said about how he's been a great fit with the Warriors, winning player. But I think arguably in the open market, Kaminga could also draw more because mm -hmm. he's seen as a player that has more upside. He has the athleticism, the positional versatility. Maybe he is, I don't want to say the missing piece to a puzzle or a championship puzzle, but he's one of many pieces that a, a team would like where uh, Pods, like he's a great player, um, but you know he's just kind of getting started where JK has a little bit more of a body of work. I think I'm with you. And this is probably poisoned because I like his dad and feel like, you know, they're a member of the podcast now. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, I'll try to backwards justify it. One, Podjemski's contract is going to be way more manageable over the next few years. Kaminga is going to get paid soon. And if what you want to do is go all the way in, having a young rookie is like having a, a good quarterback in the NFL who's on a lower salary cap. And so if you've got Podjemski locked in at that rookie salary for a few years and can bring in, some gunslinging veterans, you know, with that extra money, 
we do that. It's not that I don't believe in Kaminga. I really, really do. But if I had to choose one, that's the direction I'm going. Uh, MT, Maxime? I know it's cheating, hedging, but I think it just depends on who you bring back, right? Like to Mark's point, the free agent class right now isn't, or people you could get if you traded, um, isn't strong enough. But like, I, it, it depends. If we bring back a smaller guard, then I'd be okay choosing JK to stay. But if, you know, if, if we're getting back size, then, you know, like, then it's okay for, to keep pods. Like, I just, I, I think our roster has always been so small and we've always had that challenge of, of going up against bigger teams that I'm really hesitant to give up size and Kaminga's that prototype six seven six eight athletic wing that um you know is ideal in today's nba you and i use the phrase hedging a little bit differently you use it to say i'm not going to answer this question <laughs> most people use it to say here's my answer but you know like i'd pick jk as long as they get some size back so marcus's answer is no answer great thank you md <laughs> maxime which button do you press bram i think you convinced me because i was i was sort of thinking about well it's um, it's a little bit harder to find a replacement for what Jonathan Kaminga brings to the table in terms of the wing player, right? The athleticism at that size, uh, there, that's a more of a rare commodity, but I, I see the value of having more of a rookie contract. That's, that's like the benefit of the Spurs being as bad as they are, is they're going to be able to get somebody theoretically in the draft who they can have for a while while they need to play what pay Wembenyama the max salary, which is an inevitability, um, in, in, in a few years here. So I think I'm sticking with pods, but boy, you're right that that's a difficult question. Um, yeah, he did. He did hedge. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Whoa. Maxine I and I question. actually use the phrase the same way, but it turns out, Marcus, you did not. Um, I'm going to give you what I'm going to call the Sophie's Choice, MT. Give us an answer on this one. Button one, you keep Clay Thompson. Button two, you keep Draymond Green. Which button you press? Oof. I think I keep Draymond. Ooh. How come? He's just a better fit for Steph. My, my my goal is to maximize our best player's window. That player is Steph, and as good as a compliment, complimentary player as Clay is to Steph, obviously as a splash brother, um, the amount of assists that Clay Thompson has to Steph, you know, like is not comparable. Just Draymond's first game back, you know, you saw a play where. He set a screen for Steph and got him an open three at the top of top of the arc. And I, I remember thinking to myself, no other player would have been able to get Steph that open shot. And Steph hits it, and I think he even thought of it. You know, you could just tell. Like, I'm, I'm glad Draymond's back. So I think he's he's always been the heartbeat. Um, defense, you know, we're ranked towards the end of the league, um, last place almost. So I just think you need Draymond's. Um, passion and defense and communication and his um, compatibility with Steph. I'll go next. Um, I'm going to hedge this one. <laughs> oh, that means I'm not going to answer it. You guys oh, have okay. a you know, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll go. go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I'm with MT. I, I choose Draymond. It's a tough choice, but even when you account for, you know, Draymond's behavior, the suspensions, the fact that he's on a longer contract, um, I've always thought even during the dynasty years that, you know, Draymond wasn't the most talented out of the four all-stars, but when you're looking at the duo, he was the most important out of them because of what MT was talking about with him and Steph. You know, he's an additional playmaker. 
you give them screens, um, you know, and obviously Clay and Durant could do that, but just his ball handling presence. And then the bigger thing is what he can do defensively as well as that intensity. And you also just keeping the fact that even though we've seen, you know, Clay Thompson show some of his vintage moments here or there, it's it just been sporadic and defensively, he just hasn't been the same player as he once was. So even though I have my own questions about Draymond of, is he going to completely reform and adjust his behavior? I think it's at least going to be enough that no major suspensions or anything like that. And he can go back to what he was doing before, as far as offering that positional versatility on defense. In your glass half full, Mark, you mentioned that the you know trading might not be the best of options because the Warriors' veterans' value to the Warriors might not be the same that they would have to other teams. And I think this question really underlines that. And so because of that analysis, I keep Dre. It's not because, I mean, I, I hear what you guys are saying and I, and I agree with some of it. But when I make this decision, it's because they could get more from Clay via trade than they would with Draymond. You know, Clay can still shoot and spread the floor. He's not the two-way player he was, but you can find another team that needs floor spacing and shooting. Dre's value to the Warriors is immense, but I don't know if he has that same value to anybody else. And I think the rest of the league knows it. And so if you're trying to get something back, I think that Clay brings more back than Draymond. And for that reason, I would pick Dre. That leaves you, Maxime. Is it a clean sweep? Uh, there is another interesting piece of this puzzle. If we're talking about this happening before the trade deadline, Draymond's on contract through 2027, I think, whereas Clay would be an unrestricted free agent this summer. So if a team is looking to dump some kind of salary, obviously Clay sure. you know, is going to be a much better um, decision for us as the proverbial GM. I think it's worth also considering the impact off the floor. It seems as though there may be a generational divide the way that people are talking about what happened and how the team handled the punch situation might have caused a rift to a certain extent where some people are maybe less um, sure in the steps that the Warriors are taking as an organization. And that can cause some issues that maybe Draymond not being in the locker room uh, would start to heal because it doesn't seem like we have. And at the same time, Clay off the court is an unbelievable presence um, and sort of a glue guy in that sense. With all of that said, no, I'm still picking Draymond. And that's not a hedge, fellas. I was just presenting the devil's advocate. I was thinking Draymond from the top. Clean sweep. Um, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Uh, th this topic makes me sad, yep. so I'm not going to dive any further deep into it. Instead, last magic button question, all right? And it's kind of a, a not complicated, but a bonus one. Gentlemen, assume the team opts to circle the wagons. This year's not happening, all right? So they don't bring anybody else in. Shed some salary, bring in some losers, all right? And they just sink further and further beneath 500. And by the time we get to March, season's done. Playoffs are out of the, out of the question, okay? If that happens, button one, you lower the ticket prices per game. You understand that the product no longer justifies the price. You roll with the punch. You take them down. You focus on next season. Option two, keep them the same. They should still cost five to six hundred dollars to go in because the brand justifies the price. We know what's going to happen. It's button two as hard as anybody can press it. But if it was you, if you guys were, you know, had to make this decision for the team, which button do you press? 
who am I? Am I Joe <laughs> Lacob? Lacob? Yeah, it must be. You'd have to be. You know, somebody would have that. I don't think there's anybody in, on earth who gets to decide that. There's not one person who does. But And also, in related news, there's not any magic buttons. This is all bullshit. So, <laughs> in this bullshit Wait, fantasy scenario, yeah, Hold on, press man. one of these fucking magic buttons. There's no way that the team can can sustain lowering it. I mean, they're setting it at that point in, in part because they're greedy, but in part because they just built a stadium entirely with their own money. I mean, they need some of this back. So, Ooh. as somebody who had to play a uh, PSL, yeah, I can tell you it wasn't <laughs> fucking only their money. I, I guess they're going to pay us back in 30 years, but I think they used some of that on Chase Center. But I hear you. I mean, practically, the operating expense keeps them up. Right. If you um, want it to be 30 years and not 40 years, you should be hoping that they keep the tickets uh, above that three-digit range. Mark, what's your take here? Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, and this is for the first time that we can blame this on this person because usually it's a blessing, but... It's option two also because as long as Steph Curry is on the team and he's available, prices aren't going down because they can shift the focus that, hey, it's about watching Steph. And, um, Bram, if you don't want to renew your tickets, I can, uh, you know, we can find other business people that can gladly take your suit. Is it ironic that earlier in this episode I was like, enjoy this. This is <laughs> like just make sure that you enjoy every second. And then by the back end, I was like, they shouldn't charge us two dollars. We should get in there far free. All right. Forget these magic buttons. You throw them right out the window. I didn't ask this question. Instead, to our judgment theater. And it's an exciting one. Okay. So I am stealing a quote and a, a somewhat concerning story for this fun question from the uh, Warriors Plus Minus podcast. So Anthony Slater of The Athletic said this on the most recent Warriors Plus Minus quote. And then in the locker room postgame, Draymond Green and Steph Curry were over there like relatively loudly discussing how bad they've been defensively, going through the numbers and talking about how bad they were when they were out and like their bottom five and discussing, oh, wait, which teams are we better than? Like the Pistons? Who else? And this is something that the locker room can hear them discussing. So the way I envision this is, you know, they're at the back end of the worst loss of the season, a Memphis team where Gigi Jackson apparently let Steph know that he didn't get invited to his fucking camp and destroys us. And Steph and Dre go into the locker room and pretend to be talking to one another, but they're not. They're talking to the rest of the roster, you know, and they're, they're letting them know. And Steph and Dre both know that the other one can read. So if this was about the informational thing, they would just hand the sheet over. If you read it out loud, you're given a speech. You're not reading anything, right? So that's concerning and upsets me and all of the downsides, but let's make it a fun question. A judgment theater. Gentlemen, we play for the Warriors in this scenario. We are in that locker room. We are one of the shitty defenders that the two cornerstones of the team are talking about. You hear that. Do you play better defense going forward or does it kind of gut you confidence-wise? All right? Start with me. How do I handle it? What's your guys' guess? I think you pretend like you didn't hear it, and then you just go down a rabbit hole of emotions, and it impacts your play until one of them comes up and acknowledges that it was done purposeful and that they don't think you're that bad of a player. Bram, I think three things happen. You take it personal. You don't like that you're indirectly being called out. You play with better effort and vow, okay, I will show Steph and Draymond that I'm a great defender. And even though there's a better effort, it still doesn't yield 
better results. <laughs> I'm no Mark Medina against Nick Young. We'll limit it to two guesses because we got a full house tonight. Um, you guys are partially right across the board. All right. So part number one, you're wrong about MT that I would pretend like I didn't hear it. Well, you know what? That's not true. You're right. But, and I'd pretend like I didn't hear it. And then in that same locker room, I'd go and bring it up to him. Did you guys see what our defensive numbers are? It's like, well, dude, I can't believe this. Like, and so like try to get it good graces kind of thing, you know? Uh, part number two, effort. Mark, you're right. I, that, that next day I would, it would be a backwind, not a headwind. It'd make me try harder. But also if like my first couple of efforts, I got beaten, you know, Nick Young got by me that first time I was out there, my confidence is done. Then I'm like, then I'm fucking useless. You know, the, the, after the initial effort didn't immediately help, that's where Marcus is right. I'm deep in my feelings. Kerr would have to put me at the fucking back end of the bench. Gigi Jackson would go for 85 against me in that scenario. So things would fall apart fairly quickly. No eye contact for Steph or Dre for you. No. Oh, no. After that, I'd be talking to someone else like, how do the Pistons do it, dude? They're so good defensively. It's like weird. Their numbers seem to be like so great. I, don't know, I wish I could only get there. Um, we'll ramp up to Mark. All right, let's take Marcus next. Uh, so we know that he would pretend that he didn't hear it because he just noticed that essentially in his guess for me. Um, I do think it would up his his effort level, but I also think that it would make you more vulnerable, much like me. I, I think there are people who would just accept this as a challenge. Like, fuck, like absolutely not. Uh, I will not be beaten. It would make them indestructible mentally. I don't think that's you, MT. I think you're closer to me. I think that your effort would go up, but I also think your rabbit ears would go up a little bit. And if it didn't go well, you wouldn't get destroyed like Gigi Jackson and I, but it would, yeah, you know, I think it would impact you. I think it would it'd push you back a little bit. Any other guesses on one other guess on uh, on MT? Yeah, I feel like after a pretty excellent defensive play, because I agree with everything that you said, right? And he's just going to, he's going to try to make it, uh, make the defensive effort better on the court but he'd be jogging back and like under his breath he'd be like yeah motherfucker see i should I, of course i'm good at defense what the fuck are you on about right maybe loud enough for them to hear but mainly just pissed after he proved himself on the court told you told yeah, you told you told you yeah mt what's the truth um you're both right except for the whispering under my breath i, <laughs> I would definitely take it personal um and i'd i would care so much to prove them wrong and prove to them that i have a a rightful place on the team that I would, you know, do everything. I would sacrifice any offensive output just to stop the next man. And if it wasn't working in that scenario, like Mark was saying, where the effort, the results didn't match the effort, I probably would just hop on Redfin and start house hunting in Detroit. <laughs> the camera pans to Marcus is in the locker room. He's got Steph and Dre next to him and he's showing him his defensive stats. Like, you see this? You see what I'm doing here? You're like, that's amazing. And then the camera pans out and it shows offensively. He hasn't taken a shot for eight games. And, you know, and it's just like his plus minus is terrible, you know, but, but God damn it. If his steals didn't go up. Um, I, so we'll put Maxime in here. I'm taking myself out of this because I can't guess Maxime, dude. Like, I have no idea. He surprises me every week. So I'll leave it to uh, MT and the Funky Co Medina. What's your guys' guess? <laughs> um, I think Maxime calls it out. He, he in, in the moment, he says, I, I know I know, I need to be better. We all need to be better, and I'm going to do that. I think he, he doesn't pretend like he doesn't hear it. I think he calls it out and has that moment with the team in it earns a little different level of respect with Steph and Dre. Same day? Like, he hears it in that conversation and then stands up almost defiantly, like, I know motherfuckers are talking about us and I'm taking this as a challenge, like that kind of thing? More so, like, like 
how can I do my part? Here's what I'm going to do to to help that in the moment in the locker room. Yeah. All right. And then when he gets out on the floor, is it motivational or intimidating? No, he, he's in Detroit with me. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what's your guess? I think that uh, he's going to use it as like a growth opportunity. So instead <laughs> of taking offense to it, he'll try to placate Draymond and Steph and take ownership of it. But that, I think internally, he'll be driven to want to show them up. And he will, but then he'll save the talk for after the fact because that's when he has the most ammunition. So, yeah, Maxime, you are the solution to the Warriors' defensive ills. All right, you fuckers have talked me into giving an answer here. I think that Marcus does try to – or Marcus. I think that Maxime does try to governate the team, but does it with some weird-ass activity. He's like, we're climbing trees together to show how we play defense. <laughs> you know, and then everyone's like slightly confused, and it doesn't – like the idea's there, but it doesn't necessarily push them over the defensive hump. Maxime, what happens? So I, I do think that this is actually a really um, uh, optimistic gesture that Steph and Draymond are providing to the team. If they felt that this team was incapable of being better on defense, they probably wouldn't say anything. They'd just be like, I'm going to go home and have my shrimp cocktail or whatever. The fact that they're bringing this up, to me, is motivation. I think in the moment, because I respect who they are and their presence as the leaders of the team, I, pr I, I would know that it's not really my place to say anything. But I think the next day I would try to find an opportunity in a team meeting or whatever to be like, hey, like let's step up. And then I would take I would take that as a vote of confidence that I'm capable of doing it. And I would try to reorganize my life. I mean, this is like, if you want, if you're going to do this on defense at this level, you need to kind of reorganize your life. You need to show up for extra practices. You need to have the conversations. You need to be a little bit more focused on that. Um, but then after all of it, Woj would be reporting that MT and Maxine got traded for James Wiseman. And <laughs> that's the end here's, here's my only follow-up question. After the team meeting that you held, would you then pass out shrimp cocktail to everybody? Cause you feel like that's what they do after complaining. <laughs> I, I just assume that everybody at when you get, make over a million dollars annually, you just that's all you eat is shrimp cocktail. It's like I met like Draymond comes to Steph. He's like, You ready for your shrimp cocktail tonight? He's like, No, we're gonna talk about these defensive yeah. numbers. Right get the shit out of here. He's like, I will not move to my shrimp cocktail tonight. There's too many defensive inefficiencies to discuss. Put it we on ice. I will eat it later. <laughs> we have too many team meetings. God damn it. Um all right, we go to Mark complicated answer given the news that he's fucking stripped nick young and took a charge from uh from meta world peace who if you guys didn't know is actually run our test he changed his <laughs> name. you might want to look that up i'll leave that to you guys to go look up um i'm not gonna go first on this one i i, I want to learn from your guys insight who, who's got a an initial guess i'll go first because mark has agreed with me a lot on this podcast so i, I also really remember right. the story of when he stripped michael jordan and dunked on shack all, all in his <laughs> work outfit um but I think I think Mark internal internalizes it and um in, and doesn't say anything in the moment. But once he plays better, he immediately has a similar kind of talk with another teammate about how great his defense was. So Steph and Draymond can hear it. So I think he does it in a way that like puts him on the same level, even though he knows like Steph and Gray, Steph and Dre are on a different you know, level in terms of tenure and, and where they sit with the team. But I think he does it in a, in a slick way that shows like, I heard you and I also stepped it up. Given Mark's compliment for the Pajemski dad interview, what I think he does is he asks everybody else to sit down on defense and single-handedly turns the defensive round one on five, just tosses everybody. He's incredible. So nicely done, Mark. I'm not even surprised by that answer. It's, it's what I've always expected from your athletic prowess. Maxime? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's sort of like with the um, the taking the charge with Metal World Peace. You know, he knows that there's value down the line. He's probably going to get a better story because, you know, he knows that uh, that Mark is down to play ball in the proverbial sense. So I think he goes one-on-one, both to Steph and Draymond, and, like, has the conversation, discusses different sequences or whatever, um, and then and then continues to bring that conversation to everybody else on the team until everybody is saying, well, even though Mark's uh, numbers are absolutely abysmal on defense, like, he's really trying, man. Like, I don't think we can ship him to Detroit. <laughs> I think Mark is the kind of the jokes aside. I had a boss once tell me secret to life is to stay in your movie. It's like other people are going to try to get your story, their story onto you. You know, don't ever do that. You, you stay in your lane, know what you're good at, stay in your movie. I think Mark is phenomenal at that. I don't, I do not, I think if he heard it, I do think he'd acknowledge it. I think it would be in there. Um, and I think that it would, you know, it could be a motivational factor but I don't think it would really change what you were doing. I think you would already be giving whatever effort you had. And so I'm not sure if that conversation would shift anything. Although I think that Marcus's um, take of you recognizing it wouldn't be a bad idea to hear, have them hear you acknowledge what was going on. I think you would, you'd slip that in, but it wouldn't change the actual effort on the floor. What's hey, well, I appreciate all the good feedback. I mean, look, um, I'm going to say this is the thought process, even if you call BS on it. When I was weighing, taking yeah. the charge with Ron Artest and trying to get steals from Nick Young, I knew in the back of my head, you know what? At some point down the line years from now, this is going to be a great story for Warriors Huddle Podcast. <laughs> even though I didn't know it existed, I knew at some point I got to do this for the content. But in all seriousness, what would have happened is if it was Steph and Draymond, these are players that – you know, I respect and the leadership intentions. I would have internalized it. I would have pulled them to the side, as Maxime said, about, you know, getting constructive feedback, tactical feedback on how to improve. Oh. And then if I did prove them right, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anything because I have respect for them. Now, mm. if it was in this NBA world where I felt like these are different players where, you know, even if they are stars, their leadership qualities are in question or, they weren't bringing the same kind of effort defensively. What I would do is internalize it. And as soon as I improved my defense, I would call them out on it because I, I don't like when there's people that don't live up to their own end of the bargain, try to, you know, exert their own form of authority. So if it was that, if that were the case, other NBA star players, I would, I would say something after the fact, but because of Draymond, I would have been the, hey, be by example guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in this example, two months later, when your defensive improved, you take Chris Paul to the middle of the locker room and start looking at Steph and Dre's defensive numbers. Like, can you believe these motherfuckers? Like, they are not there. They're beneath Detroit. What's going on? Uh, Mark, you, you took a difficult time in Warriors land um, and you made it fun, man. This, this was really enjoyable. I was looking forward to this before we recorded it. It hit everything I was hoping to, and I'm sure the people who listened need way more Medina in their life. If I'm right, where do they go? Well, we'll see if you're right or not. I hope you are. I like to say that you are. So Always for me. those that want to follow, it's a long list, but I'll keep it short. On TV, it's uh, Spectrum Sportsnet, CBS LA, occasionally FS1, Radio Fox Sports Radio. On the writing side, we got Sports Kita, Sports Not, Sporting Tribune, and the messenger and stay tuned for more to come exactly right and ooh, uh 
That's exciting. And I'm, I'm already looking forward to what might be coming. I thought you were going to say, stay tuned to future Warriors Huddle episodes, which is what well, got that's me. True. Even- yeah, it goes without saying. Warriors Huddle. Uh, Boom. Stay you tuned are- for tales about my stellar defense against <laughs> yeah. Nick Young and my uh, charging prowess against Ron Artest. I am um, working on a magic button project where I'll be introducing magic buttons to the world. So sit tight for <laughs> that. Um, if you want to get us an email, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job. You can send that to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We are also on a bunch of social media sites. Um, I haven't brought this up for a while. Let me bring it up now. Patreon. So I, I'm embarrassed to tell you guys how much time and effort this podcast uh, takes from us. We love doing it. But if you'd like to support us, and that support makes a huge difference, really a huge difference for as little as a dollar a month, you can go to Patreon, search out Warriors Huddle, and that'll help us keep this show alive. With that in mind, go Warriors! And hopefully, we'll see you real soon. Good, good. Before we head to break, uh, we take a moment, send our condolences to the family of Golden State Warriors assistant coach Dayan Maloyevich. He suffered a heart attack at a team dinner on Tuesday in Salt Lake City. He died Wednesday. He was only 46. Mm. Deki, as he was known to his friends, was from Serbia. As a teenager, he was called the Serbian Charles Barkley. He played professionally in Europe, was a three-time MVP and was a highly regarded coach, especially when it came to working with big men, including Nikola Jokic. He leaves behind a wife and two children. It is a loss, as Steve Kerr put it, which is unfathomable. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.